Come on in, guys. Welcome to the Sit Out Bench. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. We're two friends from the Midlands who are absolutely diehard Survivor fans. I wonder which podcast the Survivor players are listening to. Hi, I'm Leilani, and I'm listening to the Sit Out Bench, the best podcast out there for your information. So take your spot on the Sit Out Bench, and let's get started. On today's show, we will be interviewing the standout star of Survivor UK Season 1, the one and only Leilani. And she's here with us in the studio. Leilani, how are you doing? I'm doing so much better for meeting you guys and talking to you guys. It's been a long time coming and I'm very excited for this podcast. (laughs) We're excited to spill all of the tea. This is going to be so good. Genuinely, I think we have to apologise. Okay, when, when me and Matt did our pre-season stuff, <laughs> we were brutal. Okay, we didn't know. We didn't know how good you were going to be, how much sauce you were going to give. <laughs> it's part of the plan, babe. Don't worry. It's my whole social game. I go in low, I lower expectations, and then I raise it up to queen mother standards. So don't you worry about that. <laughs> We want to run through absolutely everything, hopefully start at the beginning, a little bit about why Survivor, run through everything, but equally, you know, free reign to jump around wherever you want. If there's kind of like burning things that you want to get off your chest or stories that you want to tell, you know, we're happy to go on as many tangents as you want to. I love that Matt's giggling at this point. (laughs) (laughs) I am. (laughs) So uh, there's been a lot of uh, rumours spiralling around about how much or how much you may not have known about Survivor beforehand before going on. So how much did you actually know when you go into the game? So the rumours are true. Um, I did not know anything about Survivor. And there is a very good, valid reason for that. And it's that, look, guys, you know, know, call a spade a spade. I was 45 when I did it. And in my stage of life as a single mother... There are not many experiences that you are given in life to embrace and change your life. And I, of course, could have Googled everything about Survivor. I could have watched all the hacks. I could have watched all the challenges. I could have known all of the preseason and joined the community. And I didn't on purpose because I wanted to feel this experience from fear. And I wanted to have the fear and the adrenaline pumping through my body. And I wanted to, to completely have it attack me and eat me up and chew me up and spit me out. That's what I actually wanted. And I will rise to that challenge and I will fight back. And so I didn't want a nice safety blanket of knowledge where I know exactly what I'm going into and I know all the challenges and guys, if we do this, we can hack it this way. And that, to me, that is utterly boring. And what is the <laughs> point in going on to a show that's supposed to be this humongous experience in one's life to then ruin it with, ruin it with knowledge? Knowledge is power. But in this case, I didn't want the power. I wanted to do everything by the seat of my pants. I wanted to gauge it, read it, do it, and rise to the challenge. And that's exactly why I didn't look at any previous episodes of Survivor. So some people were taking the mickey out of me and saying, oh, she doesn't even know what she's doing. It's like, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. 
but isn't that utterly incredible and isn't that amazing and isn't that ballsy and what person would put themselves in that position a very brave I think courageous and stupid individual <laughs> no I definitely think that's great that you wanted to have the whole experience on fresh exactly. eyes and you didn't really preconceive things exactly everything these days is googlyable and <laughs> it's very rare for surprises because of that and I wanted to be shocked and scared and surprised and I certainly was <laughs> <laughs> okay so so what was it then that kind of attracted you to it so it, it feels like a really random thing to kind of just sort of stumble across so was it you know you saw something on Facebook you were looking for a show to go on and this sort of really called out to you T tell us the story of how did you decide to apply and you know what did you do in your kind of audition to stand out so I was a mess and I just left my husband and I was a hot mess and I didn't have any direction, guidance. I was terrified, but I was fighting for my life. And a friend came up to me and said, you're not done. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she was referring to my pop past and she said, you've got so much more to give to the media. And I was like, oh, are you joking me? I'm 46, well, 45 <laughs> at the time. What are you talking about? She's like, no, 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 you've got legs in this. You've got miles. And she's, and then the next week she came up to me and she went, I've just seen that they're auditioning for Survivor and you're completely in fight or flight mode. And she was like, without being cruel, you should apply because you could either have a nervous breakdown on television or completely <laughs> <laughs> and I was like hmm that's intriguing I wouldn't mind either way so let's go for it so he said promise me you'll fill out the application so I did and I think the reason why I stood out was probably my first answer which was what is your name and I was like well it's either my married name my single name my alter ego I mean what do you want it to be I don't know who I am at this point so it could be anything and I think it went from there that they were like well this one's a this one's a feisty one so yeah I think it happened like that oh I love that I love that Brilliant. we've been told by a um, friend of the pod scott.ransom that he obviously got through with you to the in-person stage in London and he has said that he knew straight away that you were going to be on the show did it, did it feel like that to you as you were applying that actually this was just the right timing, the right energy? It was almost like a guarantee thing that was going to happen. So interestingly, everything was super simple. My first audition happened. I was staying um, in Chelsea by chance for the week. Um, my uh, partner was doing an art gallery at Saatchi. And I was up in Chelsea and the first audition was seven minutes from my Airbnb. So I was like, well, that's easy. I'll just go. Um, and when I walked into the room, I look, I definitely have a, 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 an aura about me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say. Um, and so, yeah, you know, you just got to walk into these things and hold your head high and be super self-confident. And you've got to boss it. And I just showed all my weirdness my um, eccentricity, my humour, and, you know, somehow they were stupid enough to put me on television. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you go into this as just you, you're just there to have this experience. What was it like for you when you found out that, that this was more than 
just being on an island and doing challenges and you realize there's actually like a strategic and emotional aspect to the game what what was that like to, to exactly so I was prepped about living rough in the jungle and that's what I was really intrigued about. I was I, I'm, I was very much drawn to that experience because as a yogi, I'm not materialistic. I pride myself in the fact that I can live anywhere. I don't need any materialistic goods. So I really wanted to see if that was true and how I would survive. Um, and I was definitely up for the challenge. When I found out then that there was a whole psychological aspect of it. I was like, ooh, okay, so I didn't know that. However, I am very, very good at psychological warfare. So I was like, ooh, this is a bit of me. <laughs> you know, like, big brother, bring it on, because I'm very good at reading people, I'm very good at reading the room, and I'm very good at laying low and un making people underestimate me by thinking I play the fool. So that's always my ace card in a barbecue. I walk into a barbecue, Everyone will be there. They'll all be talking about, you know, what they've got and what they do for a living and, you know, <laughs> that. And then I'll just walk in and play the jester. And then they just go, well, she's an idiot. And then they overlook me. And then when they overlook you, that's the, where the magic happens. Because then you can see their true colours. You stand back and you listen to them. You can figure them out. And then you can separate the good, the bad, the ugly from that social situation. So I use that in my social life anyway. So I was very then like, well, I've got this. I can just do exactly the same rules, pretend you're in a barbecue, sort out the good, the bad from the ugly. And I just could read them instantly. Some of them, some of them I could read instantly. Things I got wrong and I was pleasantly surprised, but basically my, my social game, it comes from a place of being super socially awkward. I'm on the spectrum. So I am very, very um, unconfident. So I overcompensate and that's where I go into fight mode. So socially and psychologically, that's where I, get, I gained power. That's really amazing though, how you're able to bring in sort of all of those different aspects of your outside life into this environment and really use it, I think, to kind of shine and to build and to make relationships and... And I'm just interested when he talks about kind of first impressions. When you're there standing on the boats and, you know, you have all these people around you, what were some of your first impressions? You know, some that you got right. Were there any that you got really wrong in terms of first impressions as well? So, yes, first impressions, Tanuke looked fierce. I thought she's going to be my arch rival. She's going to be <laughs> full of sass and she's going to be shooting her mouth off all the time. And um, Matty, there was this just lovely boy that was there wearing these amazing basketball jerseys. <laughs> and I just thought, but you're not American. And I, he was so quiet. I couldn't get a read on him or why he was there or what, what he was all about. I was obviously completely pleasantly surprised by Tanuke because she turned out to be my best friend. And I was completely pleasantly surprised by Matty because he turned out to be my best friend. Um, peg leg, I could read um, quite well. I thought, okay, he will have wisdom and he will have power. And then some you never even, you know, some, some you like Nathan looked like an absolute giant, yeah. a beast, <laughs> a god. Of, so I thought, well, he's obviously, if, if he's on your tribe, you're safe. Um, so there were all these sorts of first impressions going around. Richard stood next to me on the boat and I thought, 
that he was very guarded and he was very strong, but actually he's just so lovely and he's so funny. So, you know, there is only certain things that you can take from first impressions. Absolutely. What do you think people's first impression was of you when you were there? What what was it like when you got to the beach and people obviously stopped so, talking to you? Nathan said to me, I looked at you and I looked at your nails and I thought, well, she's not here for work. And I thought, and "And more for you, because I'm a cleaner for a living and I'm a mum. And these tools, listen, I don't even need any kitchen utensils. These flip the bacon, you know, they have (laughs) shoelaces. You know, if you're talking about undoing knots, you need these talons on your hands. And actually what happened was when they all flipped off over challenges, I became just completely useless at undoing knots and things like that. So they are tools. And this is another thing where people think you're in maybe for the glamour, but I'm not that silly. It's um, it's actually having tools on the end of your fingers. So, yes, I was definitely judged. Um, and again, I will walk into a social situation wearing the most ridiculous outfit. Um, I see it as a costume. So that if people look me up and down, then I know they're off my Christmas Christmas card list immediately. (laughs) And if people talk to me through the ridiculous outfit, then I know that they're a good person. They're wanting to know the person underneath. So it's 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 my wall paint. And I think for Survivor, that feels like actually a really great approach. I think so many people come in not playing I suppose they show too much of themselves too soon and you know it's, people tend to kind of discard them if they don't click straight away so it feels like a really good approach for Survivor and, and I'm interested in kind of that dynamic um, obviously on that Calaton tribe you probably had more people who weren't familiar with the game um, than people who were and I'm really interested in kind of your relationship with Shy and obviously Shy is a super fan and, and everyone talks about hacks and you know, I know that that's something Shai's talked about in other podcasts, that he knew all the hacks. And just how, how jarring was that in terms of for the group dynamics? And, you know, that first night when you're trying to build a bed and Shai's telling you what to do, how are you feeling? So that's exactly right. Um, Shai is a very good micromanager. Uh, so he's <laughs> telling us what to do, yet not really doing it himself and that's when I obviously clocked that dynamic in him um Nathan was very compliant to Shai's orders and was really trying to help the group so I could see that he was a team player Tanuke was getting her hands massively dirty so I thought oh she's such a good egg straight away um and it's it is it is slightly jarring because it Calaton became very competitive because of Shai's approach of the hacks of challenges. It was all very challenge based for us. It was all very, we must win. So this is the order we're going to go in. If this is the challenge that I think it is, this is the order we're going to go in. And we're going to go in this and then we're going to do this and we're going to do that. So it it eliminated the element of surprise and you were sort of pigeonholed straight away. Mm. Um, whereas then later on when I went to Lenena in challenges, they I said to Dougie, like, what do we do? in this challenge like first challenge what do we do so where do you want everyone he was like just have fun pal and I was like what he was like just have fun I was like oh yes I forgot what that was yes of course we're here to also have fun so it, it did bring a much more serious element straight away and that's when I panicked and thought whoa 
I'm out of my depth here. I thought you could sort of give things a go and do your best. But mm-hmm. these guys want it all locked in, locked down strategically. So then I, th- that's when I started to panic. Yeah, so obviously in the early stages of the game, we didn't actually get to see too much of the specific dynamics on what was going on on Calaton. So obviously in that first challenge, you drop out early, you had a little bit of a target on your back there. Walk us through how you managed to get that target off your back and how it ultimately landed on Richard that went home. So I think actually, if you look at it, it was very simple. People could see that I couldn't even get the weight back. Um, I was 47 kilograms when I went in and the weight I believe was 23. Uh, so it's half my body weight. Um, I also could not get to the position that everybody else was in um, because of my beautiful short arms. Uh, so everybody was <laughs> everybody was leaning back in a sort of um, uh, position where their arms were locked and you can hold it in the lower mid of your back and your glutes, which is a great position. You can stay there for hours. I had a position where I was squatting and my shoulders were forward. So I knew I couldn't squat and hold that weight for long. Um, luckily, I had Nathan and Shy by my side and I communicated. I can't do this for very long, you know, and I did yeah. it for as long as I could. My fear was being flipped forward. It was pulling me so much constantly that I could have flipped at any point and then lost the challenge for the team. So when you put ego aside and you say, I can't do this. I've given it my all. They could clearly see I was in the wrong position. They said, hand it over. So I think the key to me getting the target off my back was the fact that I communicated, the fact that I accepted my weakness and they thought this challenge isn't for her. Whereas I think what happened with Richard was because he was holding it. He was holding both weights at the end, one for Rachel. He became in in a situation where he was like, I'm either going to hold it or I'm going to let go. He could have done maybe one more pass to Matty and it flipped him as he was passing it. But he was just like, I can't do it anymore. And then let it go. And they didn't respect that about him, that he didn't do it till um, he flipped, basically. So it was the, the fact that he didn't pass it over that caused him to go home there? I think it was a mindset. You know, uh, I used communication and acceptance and I feel that he was really trying to hold on so much and to the point where he couldn't and then dropped it. But maybe he could have passed one more extra time. And, you know, we're humans at the end of the day. And if you see uh, fault in humans where he couldn't have done anything different, then you have compassion on your side. If there's doubt at any point where, yeah, I think he threw it. I think he could have done one more pass for one more second, then that's where the target lies on your back. And, and were you happy in terms of, not not happy, because obviously you want to win immunity, you want that kind of first sort of breath of fresh air. But I suppose the worry was going to be that if there wasn't another person who caused the challenge to be lost, that kind of you as the first person who would drop out, you know, you would become that easy target, you know, totally unfairly, but, you know, that's how people think. So was there a part of you when you saw Richard's give up at the end of that challenge where you were like okay now I can pin this on him for once for a better phrase or is it just sort of that's just how it worked out it was it was you or him and you know you just had to try and convince people one way or the other at that stage the second I passed it over and walked to the bench before I even sat my butt on the bench I knew I was going home 
and I just thought luck of the draw if we'd started with the balance challenge I would have smashed it um, yeah. oh well this isn't for me they'll vote me out and off I toddle so I was completely accepting and willing to be the target I was probably more surprised than anyone that they but I think it's to do this is where it comes down to social game and this is where it comes down to likability. This is where it comes down to people who they can work with. I think they saw, actually, she's a very uplifting character in the camp. She's very positive. She's very emotionally deep. We can connect with her. And moving forward, I think that she will be an asset. So I think that I that's where it boils down to those finite details of your character. And, and I think that's what saved me. So uh, let's jump forward a little bit um, and let's talk about the, the tribal council where you're voted out of Calaton and over to Lenena. Um, there's a few little things here that we were wondering, um, mainly around we you always going to be the target there? And also, who did you vote for at that tribal council? Because they didn't actually show your vote at the end of the episode. So that one was, um, that, that was a, tricky one I basically was very willing for my tribe to move forward um and I expressed concern that having me in the tribe would not facilitate that so I was encouraging them to vote for me um so that my tribe could go on and win I knew it was between me and Shy. Um, and that's why I never saw it as a disloyalty towards me. Yeah. Um, because actually I was encouraging it. And what happened was there was a few, no, don't be ridiculous. We're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. We know who we're going to vote for. And I was like, yeah, but think about it another way. You know, if you think about it that way, then you get rid of, rid of the weakest link and then you guys can move forward, you know, so it wasn't as cut and dry as it was, you know, friendship wise. You know, my friends still had my back and they didn't want to vote for me, uh, which yeah. is why the loyalty and the trust was was never broken, which is why people were like, why is she so Calaton strong? Why is she so loyal to the to the tribe that voted her out? It, it wasn't as simple as that. There were discussions where it was like, I think it could be the best thing for you guys to vote me out. Um, yeah. so I was voting for shy, I believe. And then when it came down to a tribe swap and they had to send somebody they trusted, then obviously it was going to be me because I was the person that had formed those bonds of trust and had basically said, oh, I'm willing to fall on the sword for you. So therefore you can obviously trust me. It felt like I was given a second chance. I love that. Yeah. And and taken to a tribe where it was less competitive and that exactly that I would be seen as not the weakest and a asset to the team. Because it's it's instantaneous. Like I can remember when we recapped the episode and we were like, geez, when did Leilani become this social like demigod? Because the change was just like night and day in those two different environments. And and was it just sort of, you know, the different people or was it almost like actually I do have a second chance and and you almost reset yourself in the game 
So the social game had started from the boat, exactly like I say. It's, it had started from day one. I don't give myself enough credit um, because I play the fool. Sometimes I believe I'm the fool. Um, so it had started from the beginning and I had made firm foundations in Calaton, firm, firm foundations that were um, unshakable, as you can see throughout the, the series. Um, so it wasn't a case of it changed overnight though it just wasn't shown that those uh, kind of foundations and friendships were being built because I suppose it makes it more dramatic, doesn't it? If um, then you're all of a sudden tribe swapped. Um, but it's very clear to see when Tanuke and Matty came across and Nathan came across how much our friendship was never altered by what had happened. And hopefully now that makes a little bit more sense to you because it wasn't that they were all voting me out and then I'm playing the idiot going, oh, they're voting me out and I still love them. You know, it wasn't that case at all. It was um, more coming from me, actually, saying vote me out. Um, I want you guys to win. And I think that then uh, incurs a certain amount of respect from your tribe members, which stayed throughout the game. So I think it was more on that level. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense now. And you you kind of half answered our next question, which is about were you truly loyal to Calaton? So uh, the next part of that question would have been, why was it that you came clean to Lenana when, when you got to their beach? So basically, um, the whole lie was because if I'd come across and said, hi, guys, I'm here because basically I sort of told my tribe and coerced them into voting me out they'd go yeah right who's gonna ever give <laughs> up their place on survivor uk yeah right you're full of you know and uh, they never would have believed it but, but once you get to know me you then understand how loyal i am and how um i do lead with integrity so therefore you would have understood that about me pretty much within 24 hours so i went in and i thought Okay, people don't believe love and loyalty. So what do people believe? Oh, they believe hate. Hate's really easy to believe. So I was like, oh, just say that. What can I say that was hateful? Oh, I had a massive argument and I'm a huge drama queen and that's why they were going to vote me out. They'll totally believe that. <laughs> so that's why I went across and said, I had a massive argument with Shine, they voted me out. And they just went, cool. And I was like, <laughs> wow. I believe that. And then obviously as um as the 24 hours came up, I can't lie. So then I said, look, it wasn't as simple as that. And um there were allegiances uh that were formed and trust that was built, and actually that's why I'm here. So then they were like, right, okay. Now and then I became a very instantly, which I didn't see coming, because I only take one step at a time, I didn't then see that they would value that. And say, well, basically, she is willing to sacrifice herself for her tribe. So actually, she's quite a really good asset. So she's quite mm. golden. So that's why the heat was never on me for the first vote. Which now makes sense, sense right? Yeah. You, would, <laughs> you would obviously think last in, first out. But actually, it was never really on me, that first vote. That first vote was always about Ren. So, yeah. And you did some wicked stuff, though, in terms of really shaping that narrative really nicely though as soon as you got there and, and obviously Fishgate happens it really felt like you were the driving force in kind of like questioning actually does this feel does this feel right actually is there something sort of almost fishy about this and particularly your relationship with Chris as well in this sort of first couple of episodes where we see you and Chris together you seem to be getting on really well and bouncing off each other about Fishgate's 
I suppose with your, the knowledge that you had, did you just feel like something was off or did you have a sense that actually maybe there was an advantage or an idol in the game? Well, again, it goes full circle back to knowledge is power. And I'm the only person at this stage that has been in both tribes. So mm. I'm the only person that knows that particular fish, fish gate situation. So you're sitting there with a bunch of new people and they're talking about this fish and they cannot stop talking about this fish. So obviously they're using their gut intuition that something was off. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, they've been put through the ringer because our fish was absolutely ginormous. And, theirs was <laughs> and then you think I'm the only person in the tribe that knows this and can cement this fact. And, you know, bless Ren, pulled me aside and was like, so, you know, with the fish and this and that, and tried to sort of smooth it over and tried to be like, you know, it was no big deal and this and that. And I was just thinking, <laughs> I know, you can't tell me what I know and you can't tell me what I don't know. And I do know, and that ain't gonna wash with me. So um, yeah, it was just me. It was a simple case of, I didn't actually even have to introduce the information. The information was being asked of me and I was simply saying, yes. Was it a sea bream? No. Was it bigger than a sea bream? Yes. <laughs> you think Ren did us dirty? Yes. <laughs> so it, was, it was simple for me. I didn't have to tread on too many toes. I, I love that you're still calling it sea bream as well. But that's like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, so obviously then we, we move forward a couple of episodes... And we get to kind of Matthew and Tanuke. Obviously, you're stoked. You know, you're shouting out, they're the best ones, which was just so authentically happy. Um, and, and you talk a little bit later about, you know, you, you almost made a promise not to vote Matthew out. Um, and so was that already in place sort of from the very beginning Calaton days? And you knew as soon as you saw them, we're getting back the band back together. Yeah, literally. Um, Matty and I had a conversation on day two, um, which was just the most special conversation you know that he's so emotionally deep he's so wise beyond his years um he's such a beautiful soul and you know everything shouldn't have connected between him and I you know how do you connect a 21 year old boy with a 45 year old single mother and we just talked for so long and it was very much cemented then and I said to him on that chat I said you're a very very special person and he was like, listen, you know, I've got your back. And I said, and I've got yours. And so from day two, we'd made that agreement and we were never going to vote for each other ever. It doesn't show that, actually. It doesn't show Matty and I's friendship throughout the series. Um, but we were so tight. It was never a question. That's why my name was never in his mouth and his name was never in my mouth. So that was um, an early decided fact and obviously Tanuke and I were best friends at this point, so that was never going to happen. So it worked so out when, just right for you then? Yeah, so when they came over, um, it was... I mean, look, don't get me wrong, I don't know the game, and I get everything wrong. You know, for that outpost, I was like, oh, it's fine, it's just going to be... You're going to bring back a reward. And they were like, yeah, but what if it's a tribe swap? And I was like, don't be silly, it's not going to be a tribe swap. You know, everything <laughs> I always get wrong, you know. There was like one particular challenge before the waterboarding when Joel's like, everyone understand? And everyone went, mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. Like, I never knew what was happening. I always got everything wrong. If I said, there's nothing to worry about, there's like massive things. 
to worry about. <laughs> so I didn't expect them to come over at all. But when they did, I was like, oh, man, I've got my people here. It was amazing. And it almost seemed in the game as well. Again, we've seen the edited version, but one of the things it seemed to do is it seemed to open up the game from a lot of, um, I suppose, like a typical kind of strength divide and, and kind of, you know, who's good for challenges. But it did kind of start to cement this kind of uh, men-woman sort of divide that was happening on Lenena. So we'd just seen, obviously, Rachel voted out, then Ren was voted out. And really, when Matthew and Tanuke come over, this is where Lee really starts thinking about the guys' alliance. Um, and, and just interested if you felt like that was an opportunity, I suppose, to kind of bring the girls together. Or were you more interested in who do I you know, form relationships with? Who do I feel authentic around? So there was two things happening that I saw. When I went to Lenena, so Calaton, we were very strong. No one was turning on each other. Sure, Shy was a little irritating to live with, but he was excellent in challenges. So mm -hmm. we were putting that, it was always Shy, but then we were putting it to the back burner because he always smashed it in challenges and gave his all. When I went over to Lenena, the dynamics was very different. They were already having everybody else's name in each other's mouths. They were already starting to internally fight. Mm. So when I got there, I thought, wow, they're not like Halaton. They're not strong. They're actually already turning on each other. Ren was such an easy, it was an easy vote. It was like, Ren? Yeah, sure, Ren. And I was like, oh, okay. There's, wow. there's no loyalty here. What? <laughs> um, Jeez. Uh, so what happened was I saw that actually they were turning on each other. So we didn't really have to do much. Um, because me, Tanuke and Matty made up the numbers, if one person said, God, Lee's really irritating or this or that, we'd be like, oh, OK, you want to go for Lee? Yeah, sure, we'll go for Lee. So we were at that point, we were a numbers game and they were mentioning the names and they were turning on each other. So we didn't have to. There, that's why there was none of this. It should have been first in, uh, last in, first out but our names were never mentioned because they had already started the in-tribe warring. So it was very easy to then pick a side and build numbers around the person that was agitating them the most. So there was the boy-girl divide, but I feel that Lenena's um, downfall was the in-tribe warring. Um, yes, once it was exposed again, because they weren't loyal to each other, so it was exposed that it was the male-female divide, then obviously that just puts a target on Lee's back, unfortunately. So, you know. Obviously you have the huge reaction when Jess is voted out of the game. Uh, what was it like in that situation where you're seeing all the other women around you being voted out? Was it concerning for your position in the game or, or was it more about concern for... Jess for Tanuke, these the women that you have closer relationships with. Yeah, it was it wasn't I'm I'm easy breezy, you know. Um I don't want to be anywhere that I'm not wanted. Um so if you want me out, vote me out. That's why I never hid behind an idol. That's why I never schmoozed anyone. Um I give no what's a polite way of saying that word, you know, I give no. And, <laughs> you say um, the word. <laughs> if you want me out, vote me out. I'm not going to try to convince you to not. I don't want to be anywhere that I'm not wanted. So 
I never cared about that. My concern was the other people. You know, when they said to Nuke, I was like, like, no, 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 this is not going to happen. And then you do your conversations around the fact that we have to keep Tanuke in you know I didn't have any control over Jess I'd left Jess and I just couldn't believe why they would possibly vote her out she gave a hundred percent of her body every single time to challenges she is an absolute joy to be around she's so uplifting to the camp she helps every single moment she possibly can there's no good reason literally at that stage apart from the fact that she was female and that is the truth yeah and it it is really brutal and i think again it's it's one of the things that we really loved watching you is like those authentic moments just shone through because you know they're not necessarily great game moves but you were just being true to yourself which was absolutely brilliant can I ask another sort of just a, another question about just before the, the sort of the pre-merge time? There was a there was a moment in particular that that really blew both of our minds. Um, I think it's in episode five or six where there's a reward challenge, and you're all at sea and you're doing um, sumo at sea and you're trying to push people off the barge, and we were blown away that at three three, obviously Rachel gets a head injury and they just decided to call it quits. Um, was there any talk in that challenge of let's do one more round to see who the winner is or was it just real worry that Rachel's got a concussion <laughs> maybe we shouldn't go again you know it, the, the mood changed very quickly it was very dramatic it was very frightening mm. and you know I think then everybody thought things can go wrong and we are putting our bodies on the line every single day and actually this isn't a fail safe challenge no challenges and you can really hurt yourself and I think it just had to go to sort of ground zero at that point and just be pulled in and everybody just reconvene and 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 take a take a beat yeah that makes perfect sense and yeah and I think throughout the whole pre-merge time it, it can't be said enough you were perfect in your voting record everyone you voted for went out you know and I think it's totally pushed under the radar that that you were always in the know in terms of who you were voting for and that person always went home. Yeah. Um, so I always, 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 always vote with my gut. Like I said, I'm a very good reader character and I can read a room very quickly. And I'm a watcher and an, and an observer. There are moments when being quiet is very valuable. And then there are moments when I am Homer Simpson and I have no filter. And, <laughs> you know, things come out of my mouth and it's unstoppable. But generally it is saying what other people are thinking. They just don't have the balls to say it. Um, however, I think this is an important point. Um, I'm not sure how this is going to come across, but I'm going to be honest. If conversations were had where I knew where the target was going then yes maybe in challenges I did know who was going and so my strategicness in challenges was also well thought I'm not going to break my body early in the series and cause myself an injury if I know I'm not going home Wow. So you can read it in two ways. You could say she didn't do anything in the challenges or she's really clever because actually she's 46 and she's not going to break her body because she's still got two more weeks in the game where anything can happen and she needs to be physically fit. And she knows she's not going home. 
I'm not going to drown myself in a waterboarding situation <laughs> where, where I'm not even going home. Like, I, you know, I don't have an ego. I don't need to prove that to myself. So there are two ways of looking at it. You could either say, oh, you know, she's useless. She didn't do anything. Or actually, she's really bloody clever because she didn't die knowing she wasn't going anywhere anyway. So it's about, again, it goes back to the social game of reading the room, knowing what's on and knowing who your people are and having that firm affiliation. I do think I was underestimated completely throughout all of that. People assume things very quickly. Oh, she's laughing. Oh, she's this. Oh, she's that. And it's like, think deeper. Think deeper. I'm living there with these people. I'm still there. I've never hid behind an idol. I'm easy pickings every single other day. Why am I still there? It's not fluke and it's not luck. So I, I am pleased you've asked that question. I've not ever said that before, but that is the truth of why I didn't break my body every other day because I knew I wasn't going home. So I think that's pretty clever. <laughs> conserving <laughs> energy, conserving energy. But the last challenge when I needed to make, you know, that gave me a purpose. Yeah. You know, I wanted to be in the final three. I wasn't going to fail at that hurdle. And then and then you can see what I'm made of because it meant something. Do you know what I mean? You have to have a purpose yeah, yeah, yeah. in order yeah. to give 100%. And I know people will disagree and that's absolutely fine. But in order to give 100%, you have to have a purpose. Can I just say, just like completely side note, like I'm sat here listening to you in like, don't get me wrong, absolute ecstasy and like absolutely loving it. <laughs> and I, I can't believe people didn't give you the win at the end because like you're convincing me, like give me a bit of harsh <laughs> like, I'm with you now. Like, <laughs> well, I did wear my blue swimsuit for you, babe. I appreciated that little nod on your podcast, which is can we just talk about the outfit? And I was like, finally, somebody checking my fashion sense of five pieces of items of clothing that I need to swap around. And, you know, I'm still trying to, like, hit it out of the park every night. <laughs> you made the effort where it counted. <laughs> exactly. All these little things, you know, they sink in. <laughs> So you talked about um, knowing who your people were. Obviously, we saw at the merge, it was Nathan, Tanuke and Matthew in that group of four. At any point, did you consider going with any other options or was it a case of that's working for me right now? So I'm going to stick with that. Um, I was never sure and never convinced on Nathan. Um, he didn't respect my challenge game. You know, he is a beast and he's a monster and he's a, he's a beautiful, amazing, kind, compassionate monster. But he does respect uh, strength. So I always knew that he didn't um, respect my views of not giving all um, in a challenge for whatever reason. Actually, unfortunately, we never had the conversation uh, that I've just had with you because otherwise I would have let him understand or hopefully he would have understood a little bit more of my reasonings. So I was very concerned. I always knew that he would vote me out at one stage. So he was never in my alliance in that way, which is actually yeah. the less you say, the better sometimes, which is exactly why when I saw the votes turning on him, I didn't say anything because I thought, well, 
they're kind of doing me a favor because he will vote me out at one point. Yeah. So when he was voted out, I took that as a hit on me leaving the game. So in your mind, it was always, I'm going to stay loyal to the Calaton people that are around me, the people I like, and probably at some point at the end, at this final three, it will be me, Tanuke, Matthew. That was kind of your, your dream final three. Um, no. Because if I was in a final three with Tanuke, Matthew, there's no way I would have won. Okay, so I've got to hear this now. So what was your... I suppose at the merge point, what are you thinking in terms of... Because everyone starts to think a bit more gamey. So where, where would you have wanted to have gone? I definitely wanted Chris in my final three because I thought that would be an easy win against him because mm-hmm. I knew how many people he had annoyed. So I definitely wanted Chris and I definitely wanted Matty because I thought that he had annoyed Calaton and been disloyal to them so much that I thought if I brought Matty and Chris to the end, then I would stand a chance of winning. But I underestimated the fact that they love a backstabbing game player. (laughs) 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 So um, that's where I faltered. And actually at one point in the final, Tanuke said to the jury, she turned around and she said, hang on a minute, why can't love win? She's played Mm. the game. She's not annoyed anyone. She's basically told people to their face who she's voting out. She's never backstabbed. Like, sorry, why can't she win? You know, and it was like, well, we need somebody with, you know, a bit more, you know, that's given more in challenges, which is 100% fair. But I hope that I have justified my reasons. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we need somebody that's done a bit more backstabbing and two-facedness and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, I'm lost now. Like, whatever. Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've done all I can. I don't know what you guys want. What more do you want? (laughs) I feel like you never have to apologise for doing badly in challenges. Like, for me, that's like the the smallest part of the game. Like, I'd be terrible at them. So that wouldn't factor in for me. Oh, thank you. Okay, can we talk quickly about Chris um, and kind of your relationships? We said before you felt like you had a quite a positive relationship with Chris when you were sort of working around Fishgate and around Wren, and things do seem to start to sour just as kind of the days go on. Um, and we didn't talk actually about the the challenge throwing as well. Um, I'm just interested in kind of you know both your perspective on Chris throwing the challenge. Um, and also just, you know, what happened between you and him where it, it maybe isn't as amicable as all of the other relationships? Um, I know that Chris has been on some podcasts and he he still thinks that you are a Survivor super fan and knows everything about the game. So, <laughs> Well, and so this is this is it with Chris. So Chris and I bonded instantly. Our personalities would naturally gel. Um, I was intrigued um, by him, watching him from Calaton. I couldn't wait to meet him and we just bonded instantly. He showed me around the camp. He got me a coconut, you know, host with the most. And I thought, awesome, we're going to be best friends forever. And then it started to change on his terms. So he was then voting me out. And sure, I say I'm... I've got good social game and sure I say I can read people, but he absolutely tricked me. He absolutely threw me through a loop. I didn't see that happening. I, I wasn't aware of that situation happening behind 
my back. I know it sounds schoolyard, but it is schoolyard, isn't it? It's playground talk now. And um, I didn't know, and I didn't understand why. And I suppose he thought I was this super fan, playing dumb. So to give him his credit, yes, he was right. I was playing dumb. And yes, he is right. And he did read that right. I was always lowering expectations of myself uh, to then go under the radar. So he is right. Um, but he definitely threw me through a loop. I mean, he definitely won that psychological battle. I had no idea he was against me. And then once I figured out he was against me, then I did the whole, yeah, yeah, everything's great. Yeah, everything's great. <laughs> 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 How are you going to vote for you tonight? Like, you know. And then I obviously gave back. So then we were both basically hating each other in, you know, behind closed doors and then to each other's face. We were like, hi, babe, you're right. Yeah, I'm right. Yeah, it's actually frustrated, but you know, also, you know, and it was all, it was just bullshit in the end. Um, and so confusing. Um, but anyway, obviously, Chris and I obviously are good um, yeah. because we do love each other and we are adults. Um, but yeah, he definitely, definitely pulled one over me 100%. All right, let's talk about the, the other big blind side for you then, which is obviously the Tanuke vote. Oh my God. Did you have any idea that Tanuke was such a big target or did that come out of nowhere for, for the Kamazong group? Right, first of all, I'm still not over it. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, I still can't believe it happened. And thirdly, I did a classic where she came up to me and went, I think people are going to vote for me. And I went, oh, don't be so ridiculous. <laughs> You're absolutely fine. Everyone loves you. And she was like, really? And I was like, yeah, babe, who's going to vote for you? And she was like, okay. And I was like, and then she got voted out. And I was like, again, wrong, wrong. <laughs> again, got it wrong. Um, yeah, I can't believe that. But do you know what? Matty, obviously, was the pinnacle point in that. And that's why I didn't see it happening. I didn't know the whispers in his ear from Chris was happening. I didn't know that Chris was uh, throwing the challenge. I had no idea. Listen, babe, I'm a yogi. I was in dolphin arms that whole entire time, holding up those bloody heavy puzzle pieces. <laughs> I know I'm flexible, but I couldn't see behind me to the fact that he was doing cartwheels <laughs> and wearing bloody snorkel attire and doing, you know, child pose while I'm sitting there holding up these pieces trying to keep everyone calm. So no, I had no idea that was happening. When I watched that, I was screaming. <laughs> Actually, Charlie swore at the television and then also said, is that okay? And I was like, that's absolutely fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my son. And um, yeah, so that was a shocker. So then looking back on it, looking at Chris throwing that challenge, then I understood, oh, okay. So he says one thing and does another. So that's why I was so confused because he's saying we're besties and then he's throwing the challenges and he's voting off to New Kane. And that's why I was so confused with that. But he did a good job with that. Um, but when he spun Matty, you know, I didn't see it coming. I didn't think Matty would ever be turned. Um, I didn't think his head would be turned. But when we spoke in the morning, which again, they didn't show, but when we spoke in the morning, he said, right, I've got to, I've got to explain to you what happened. And basically, if Tanuke stayed and the dynamic stayed as it was, we would just be picking off people. And that is not fair. It should be a game played by everybody. Everybody's here on their own merit. 
and everybody deserves a chance. And it's not fair that we have strength in numbers and we were just going to pick off Lenena. And I said, Matty, you are 100% right. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. I obviously had rose love tinted glasses on. But actually, what you're saying is factually correct. And you are completely right. And thank you for opening the game up to everybody. And we shook hands and it was all good. Really? Yeah, of course, ma'am. It's factually correct, logically correct. That that kind of blows my mind, like, in all honesty. Like, <laughs> Why does it blow your mind? You can't fight with logic. And he, what he said was completely factually correct. Yeah, it, it's definitely factually correct, yeah. I certainly agree with that. In terms of... But in terms of the game, though, he kind of, like, he'd blown up your game. And I, it's tough because it's a selfish move, isn't it, for Matty, in a way. It, it, I suppose he did open up the game for everyone, but he was doing it for himself, in a way, would you say? Yes, but also it goes back to that, it goes back to that concept of you don't want to hide behind a shield. So it blows your mind because I then became vulnerable. But again, I reiterate my point, which is I don't want to be there hiding behind um, a, an idol, hiding behind numbers. I want to be out in the open. And if you want me out, vote me out. I got to the final on my own merit, my own gameplay, yeah. my own social. And there's that you cannot take that away from me. I didn't hide behind Snooker. I didn't hide behind an idol. I, I wasn't wearing immunity, everything, necklaces and earrings and whatever was on show, you know. I was fair game every single week and I pride myself on that every single week or every single day sorry not week every single day people could have voted me out and they didn't and I think that alone is a humongous feat. Did, did you feel like the especially in kind of that post merge where you're one tribe did you often feel like the target um or did you feel like your social game allowed you to always know actually it might not be me this week? Or this no, day. every single day I thought I was going home. Every single day I would see um, a big steak with chips and a glass of red wine waiting for me <laughs> at the end of the night. <laughs> That's why I was so happy in every single tribunal. I was like, <laughs> I'm going home. No, every single day I thought I was going home. Every single day. <laughs> A hundred percent. You've got to make it what it is, you know. So I would always put a positive spin on it. But no, I, I, I would never underestimate a blind side. I think if you are tainted with the words, the weakest link from day one, I don't yeah. think ever in your self-confidence ever really shrug that off. So yeah. no, I expected to go home every single day. For a lot of the post-merge, there was a couple of times where you chucked a couple of votes onto people who weren't going home sometimes it was who the person who went home voted with or sometimes it was just a random person why did you decide to vote for people was it because sometimes you didn't agree with who was going home or was it because you thought your vote was directing other people onto different people as well so i always had the jury and the end game in mind so i'm not going to ever cut my nose off to spite my face so Pegleg was a burn vote um, and I told Pegleg, I'm doing a burn vote on you. He said, absolutely fine, because I will not go against my integrity. And if I actually like the person that is the target, I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon and vote for them and go against myself. I'm old enough and ugly enough to do my own thing and trust in my own confidence and my own uh, ethos and my own moral code. So, no, 
the only person I ever voted for for numbers um, that I deeply regret, but God knows how the game would have changed, was Doug. Yeah. That was the only one that killed me, that I went against my own integrity and voted him for a number. But I don't know what would have happened after that. Um, my vote was going on Chris that night and I just was, and it would have been a split vote. And then we would have voted again and everyone would have voted the same. And it would have been a split vote. Uh, and so I just thought, I know I'm the split vote uh, <clears throat> and I either do it or we just keep voting the same all night long. Uh, yeah. So I thought, right, I understand the reasons for Doug. He definitely knew more than he was letting on. He was definitely a bigger game player than he was letting on. And also he could have swayed Lawrence and Matty and then had the numbers on his side. And then Tanuke and I would have been going home. So I thought, no, I've got to bite the bullet and do it. But it did kill me to do that. But he was the only one that I voted for against my sort of integrity. Anything else, I'd do a burn vote. Um, because then I thought it would pay it forward for the jury that I didn't vote for them. Yeah, you're collecting those votes every single but, time. You know, fell on deaf ears, as always. <laughs> <laughs> Loyalty gets you nowhere, babe. <laughs> Let's talk a bit about your final tribal um, council then, because we were really impressed with your performance and the way that you managed to come up with an argument uh, to argue your case to the jury. When did you come up with that? Was it like overnight? Did you just sort of speak your mind at the final tribal how did it sort of play out for you so basically i just sat there and i thought i'm gonna get attacked so what are they gonna attack me on uh and let's just get there first so they're gonna attack me on my um not knowing what i was walking into well that's very easily addressed and i'll actually i never told anyone you know why i never looked at an, a previous episode so I thought, well, I definitely can address that. And that's actually quite a ballsy reason for why I didn't. So that's fine. That gives me purpose. And then they'll attack me on challenges. I should have actually have expressed what I've expressed to you two tonight. Maybe I feel too co uh, comfortable with you two rather than my tribe. <laughs> but, um, I probably should have addressed that. I don't think it would have done me any favours. Um, but um, they definitely were going to come for me for not giving thousand and one percent in the challenges fair enough um it's just personally how I decided to play it I wanted longevity I didn't want to injure myself I didn't you know want want to do that I wanted to be there till the end um so I basically just conceded my final speech with what are they going to go for me over and what are they going to tap me on and get the defense ready before they have a chance and an opportunity to come for me come for them first so that was how I I planned it well strategized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's one of those things where, like, for us at home, like, me and Matt are really aware that sometimes we're kind of like the dicks on the couch who are saying, why don't you do this or why don't you do that? And, and for you, it's kind of, you know, the lived experience and, and everything's kind of, you know, you're very much feeling it, the whole sort of thing, aren't you? D when you were going in, whose votes, obviously you need sort of five votes to win. I'm assuming that you were kind of definitely trying to get to new K's, Lawrence's, Pegleg, Hannah's. I, I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth here. Whose votes did you think, you know, you were trying to get, really? I thought definitely Sex Pants um, because <laughs> I thought I actually had a conversation with him 
which wasn't aired, where I said, I'm going to vote for you tonight because I think you're done. You need to be on a yacht somewhere. Like, this is beneath you. (laughs) (laughs) You're looking really fragile and I'm going to do you a solid and get you out of here. And he was like, oh, no, please don't. And I was like, oh, really? And he was like, yeah, please don't. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. So I thought, definitely, I have the loyalty with Lawrence uh, because it was always open and honest um, to New K. I thought... Even though I screwed Hannah over in the end, she was going to screw me over first. So that would have been a common understanding. So I thought maybe um, woman to woman, uh, Hannah. Um, I knew Nathan was never going to give me his vote. I thought Doug. And I thought Doug because I gave him the immunity idol with the seesaw vase challenge. Ah, uh, Yeah. I gave him that idol. He knows I could have been there all day, me and Tanuke. And I thought that would have come around and he thought maybe she did me a solid and maybe I'll do her a solid. So I did think Doug. I thought he owed me there. I thought uh, Lawrence, Tanuke, Hannah and Pegleg and I were so close. It doesn't show the friendship, but Pegleg and I were so close. We were the only parents there. We really, really had a beautiful friendship, have a beautiful friendship. And um, that was not shown either. So I actually thought, considering what's left, <laughs> uh, peg leg. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, you are right. I love that. And can I just say, sorry, sorry, just side note as well. Like for for us, it was like one of the things we loved seeing throughout the season was was your relationship with Charlie. You know, we saw it in the letter that you got. We saw it in the video call. It was. I, I think you could definitely say mummy's one to him. You know, she, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Has he loved sort of watching it back with you and kind of, I suppose, is he a big Survivor fan now? Yeah, so we watched it together and it was really beautiful being able to do that. You know, being without somebody who is the most important person to you for so long, for six weeks and not having any communication. I mean, obviously, every single day I was going through the most internal pain that you can't see that was just every day why am I here what am I doing (laughs) I'm doing this for Charlie I'm doing this for me and Charlie and um that alone would have killed me um and then watching it back for Charlie and holding him in my arms and cuddling and having chocolate and tea and watching it and it's just like you know when he he would say to me I like going into the playground because all the kids come up to me and say you know your mum did this or your mum did that or your mum didn't do well on that challenge or you know your mum did <laughs> you know and he was like you know I really I, I do feel and understand um what you've done and, and that you did it for us and I said to him I did it to show you that if you are given a bad hand of cards in life you don't sink you swim and you grab your balls and you put your big girl pants on or your big boy pants on and you do something incredible and you prove your own self-worth to yourself and I hope that I've shown you that if anything bad happens to you in your life which I'm sure it will at points don't become a victim and become a survivor. Love it. <laughs> I think I know the answer to this question but I wanted to ask if you um, could change anything about the game would you or would you leave it as it was? No, I would go in as trailer lay from the start. Now that I know what people want, forget Namas lay. (laughs) (laughs) 
Namaste, I would kill her and bury her and trailer lay would be out, talons firing and I would be the biggest, sassiest, most ruthless <laughs> bitch in the whole wide world. If only I'd have known, because I've got that in me as well, babe. Gone through. If I ever get the opportunity to play again, forget it, trailer lay all the way through. In my personal <laughs> life, I'm ruthless. If you're not in my life anymore, your number's deleted, blocked, and your photos are ripped up and put in the bin. So that <laughs> is coming out if I ever get to play again. Believe me. Man, I'm stoked for that. That'd be brutal. <laughs> <laughs> Does it... I, 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 again, I think I know the answer already, but I'm going to ask it in terms of... One of the questions Lawrence asked you in the final tribal council was was whether or not you considered yourself a goat. And obviously there are lots of people who maybe might use that term. Mm -hmm. And you obviously were very true to yourself and very true to the game. In, in a survivor sense, you know, would you say that you were a goat or do you think that's just like a total mislabel? I think that it's really, really, uh, without speaking to me, it's really, really easy to pigeonhole me as a person who you know is airy fairy she doesn't quite know what she's doing she's a bit scatty you know she's gone through because she's laid low under the radar and I completely understand all of those um analogies because that's how I represent myself at times but when I need to be serious I am serious and I'm not a fool and I'm not an idiot and I'm actually a player. And if you are thinking those things about me, it's because I've made you think those things about me. And I'm doing it on purpose to underestimate myself in your opinion so that I can overtake you. So I do completely understand the GOAT scenario. However, I also applaud that because that is how exactly I wanted them to see me. So my point succeeded because they completely underestimated me and I was sitting in the final and they weren't and that is not a goat. Bailey, love it, love it. <laughs> Incredible answer. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask, so coming off the show obviously, it's all aired now, um, really interested in kind of two things. Has it changed your life in any sort of way? But also, are you a Survivor fan now? Is it something you've watched? Have you watched more Survivor since you've left the show? Or have you sort of taken the experience as it is and you're just waiting for the callback for season two or season three? Well, first of all, I've already said I need to be the presenter on the series two um, because I definitely... <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring a lot to the table so first of all I'm gunning for presenter um, <laughs> secondly um I actually don't watch tv okay cool I don't really watch television. um so I have not and will not be watching um future episodes probably not um and yeah I would love to partake again uh, but there would be a very, very different person that goes to the jungle. And it's still elements of me and it's still, um, but I will not be as um, accommodating <laughs> as I was the first time around. And I will not be as um, joyous and loving now that I understand what the survivor community uh, wants. I will give it. I will bring it. Um, 
I'll be completely honest with you and open and transparent. Obviously, I've been in the media before and I understand how television works. I was really, really hoping to have a platform to uh, be a voice of um, inspiration to uh, males and females that were going through divorce um, in their mid-40s and who feel like they've been put in the scrap heap and they just feel worthless. You feel worthless and you lose your identity. You know, you've given everything to your home and your family for so many years and all of a sudden you're cast aside and you're not needed anymore and you have to re-evaluate who you are your role in the family and your identity. And I think it's a humongous talking point um, and I've attacked it with positivity. And I did really want the opportunity to have much more of a media presence to um, hopefully support people that are going through that and hopefully inspire them and hopefully lift them from any sort of um, negative feelings that they were placed in. It unfortunately hasn't happened. So in terms of has it changed my life, I wanted it to change my life a lot more and I wanted it to give me a lot more opportunity to help others. However, it hasn't yet. Um, and the only thing it has changed is my own self-confidence, my own self-worth. And I went in, as I said before, a completely fragile shell of a woman. And I came out knowing I can actually kill anything. I can do anything, I will do anything, and I'm not scared anymore. However, I do wish I had the opportunity to pass that on to others in my position. Yeah. And what I would say, and again, this is, this is kind of just anecdotally, is, is my girls loved watching you. So I have two girls, seven and four, and they love watching on TV. And I think you're exactly the type of role model and strong character that people need. So, so yeah, I really hope that we get to build on that platform and you do get that voice is... Because I think you're right. It's a really, it's a really strong message that needs to be heard. Thank you. I really, really appreciate that. I have had a lot of support and messages from people, um, you know, messaging me on Instagram to say how they feel and how they are seeing the situation and how they, what, what they're going through. And I give every single person time, and I say, how are you in your life? What are you going through? Talk to me, you know. And I've made beautiful friendships, and I'm always there to support people. I'm always there to champion people, and I'm always there to elevate people. I think it's super important, um, especially after COVID, we understand that we are not alone um, and that we need more support in our communities and to really help each other. We're all humans at the end of the day. And I really hope I'm given that opportunity to just be a voice of reason in people in turmoil. So you should definitely get the platform to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be on Loose Women. God damn it! You have to be great on that. On Strictly next year because yeah, man, it's all about Strictly. I'm an ex-dancer, so you know I've got to give it a bit of shape. shape, shape. <laughs> we'll start the hashtag. <laughs> At one point, I think you did the, uh, I can't remember which move it was. It was like one of these. And me and Matt oh, were going to yeah, do a show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm multi-talented. <laughs> me and Matt were going to do a short where we tried and copied it, but it just looked so yeah. awkward. It was... <laughs> Don't worry, I'll teach you. It's fine. <laughs> oh, man. Can, can I ask as well, obviously season two, we're in kind of like limbo at the moment where they're casting for a potential second season. There have been articles coming out this week that 
if season two does happen, it would have to have significant changes. From your perspective, sort of being on the show, what sort of changes do you think the show needs to make to maybe resonate with more people? Um, yeah, what would you like to see it do slightly differently for season two? The one fundamental point that puzzled me um, about the show was why they did not go into the characters uh, deeper, why they did not show their purpose for being on the show. It's a very simple um, opening of a character. And that way, anybody who is going through similar situations of multiple characters is going to resonate with a huge um, percentage of the population. And that's where you're going to get your fan base. That's where you're going to get people switching on every night to say, I want to see what happens to this person because I resonate with this person. If you don't have a backstory, there's nothing to latch on to people. You're just 18 people standing there doing physical challenges and trying to eat rice and beans and feel full, you know, um, and, you know, occasionally be catty about each other. That's not <laughs> that's not the point. The purpose of the show is the characters and the cast and why go through the audition process of finding such unique stories that will resonate with the public if you're not going to use them. And I feel that was an opportunity missed. And I feel that that's why it uh, didn't resonate fully because people didn't have characters to latch onto. And I feel that's such a shame because the cast was beautiful and they are absolutely eclectic and wonderful in each and every right. And their stories should have been shown. Lay, you're you're an absolutely amazing follow. For all of the people listening, you know, how can they connect with you? How can they see what you're doing? What's the best way to to follow you? Uh, so I'm on Instagram with Leilani Loves Leg Warmers, and I've had two new singles out uh, since Survivor called Got to Go, which I know you personally love. Finger on the trigger. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and um, of course, let's not forget Wicked Knickers because you know it's all about the Wicked Knickers, babe. <laughs> I haven't been able to eat a curly whirly since I've... <laughs> I don't blame you, babe. You, I, that's a good thing. <laughs> and it's all about the curly whirlies as well. Yeah. So, yeah, if you like a little kitchen disco, then you can have a little pop to my music uh, on all streaming platforms. <laughs> Brilliant. Love it. And Matt, for the people, where can they follow us? Yes, yeah, so they can follow us on Instagram at the Sit Bench, all lowercase with full stops in between each word, and over on X at the Sit Bench. Brilliant, and take some time to send the podcast to someone you love. Um, maybe someone who's going through a hard time or, or just loves sucking on a curly whirly. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that sums me up in one, that me up in one sentence, babe. Uh, us, from us here at the Sit Bench. Uh, see you next time, guys. Bye.